Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, I'm happy to report that we were the victors in the Lords of Limited versus Team Resources Team Draft Showdown that takes place once every format, and we are only now down in the whole series overall, four to seven. So I'm a little conflicted. I'm glad that they're no longer doubling us up, and I'm glad that we were the <laughs> victors, but I also just feel slightly ashamed still when we look at the overall record. How do you process that? Uh, I I think only the latest result matters. You know, you're only as good as your latest result. I think that's a classic saying, of course. That's right. We did it in the playoffs. This was the playoffs. We won the playoffs. New season. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're. I, it's like, I mean, people joke on uh, on Twitter, I think, when they're like, this is the Super Bowl for me. Or maybe they, they are slightly serious about, you know, I think there are a lot of folks out there who look forward to the Lowell versus LR showdown every set. I mean, it is. It's funny that it's we call it like a high stakes limited event, even though there's often nothing on the line other than pride. <laughs> this time we did play for buying the other team dinner, but uh, um, there's not often anything on the line. But we all take it super seriously. We all really want to win. So there's a ton of pride on the line. Um, and I have to say, I do take pride in uh, in seven twoing team resources the other day. Heck yeah, feels good. Does feel good. So we are, you know, I don't want it to seem like we only go over these when we win, because that's not true. But I also <laughs> don't often want to go over these <laughs> when we lose. Um, and we did even say even before, you know, we had a, a sort of backup plan for this week's episode, but we knew the showdown was happening on Tuesday. We we're like, hey, let's wait and see what the draft logs look like. And if they're interesting, if there's like, you know, ripples around the table, whatever, because it's nice to have an opportunity to look at, you know, we used to be able to do sort of like a look around the table at a, you know, pro tour draft, but rip those for now. But we do get to sort of look at, at it in the context of team draft. And even though team draft is slightly different, I think the sort of the days of hook and cut are kind of behind us with how high playables are in modern limited sets. And so you often do get a, a flavor feel for what that's like of, okay, what sort of archetypes are people getting into? How do people step on each other's toes, et cetera, find the open lane? So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at uh, the full team draft debrief from the other day. Uh, but before we get into that, just a few housekeeping things to take care of. First things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. We always say that new set season is the great time to get in on 
the Discord, which is what everybody gets access to by giving back via the Patreon. But honestly, I mean, new set season sort of feels like it's, you know, depending on what you're, how you're viewing it, sort of uh, comes around the corner every week in a way. Um, you're always sort of, you know, it's like, oh my God, this new set dropped. And then, oh my gosh, it's preview season already. But there's also been just a ton of high stakes limited events. And like I said last week, that's a great time to get in on the Discord to have just like real time access to a thriving community of like-minded limited individuals. So last week we had the arena open. Next week we have a Mythic Championship qualifier, right? Maybe is it, is it just now a PTQ? I don't know what what MCQ, PTQ. I don't know what letters I'm supposed to be <laughs> the using. The nomenclature is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is now. It's been changing, but there is going to be a, a, a blank blank Q next weekend, and that's limited. I qualified for that uh, yesterday via some play-in points. Love that play-in point system on Arena. Um so we've got that. Then the following weekend, there's another limited arena open. And this time it's Cube Draft on both day one and day two, which we're super excited about. I think we're going to chat about that briefly next week, but we've got something sweet planned for our 300th episode next week as well. So that's just all to talk about. There's a ton of high stakes limited events happening on arena right now. That's not even to, you know, that's not even taking into account all the qualification events on MTGO that you can get into that are sealed. There's just a ton of things to be doing. And for all of those, it's just great to be able to have access to the community and the Discord. But magic is dying, Ethan. Haven't you heard? Oh, that's true. We should probably magic. just call the podcast. <laughs> Call it. Yeah, we had a good run. We had a good run. Um, And of course, there's just a lot of other great things as you move up the reward tiers over at the Patreon page, you get access to the episode a day in advance, get access to our show notes, get access to a private section of the discord, etc. So if the show is of value to you, and if that community, if you're looking for a community, the discord is there for you. So head on over to the Patreon page if that's of interest to you. And of course, we want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they join. So this week, we're welcoming Anders, Mitchell, Hunter, PH and Mark. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. Show is also brought to you by TCG Player, best place to go for anything and everything you need on the internet that is magic related. The big poll for TCG Player right now is a subscription service for $6.99 a month, and you get a ton of things with that subscription. You get free shipping and tracking. So if you're going to order anything on TCG Player, you basically should just be subscribing to them because shipping and handling is probably more expensive, if not that amount exactly expensive. You get extra bonus bucks, which is store credit on purchases you make. And most importantly, you get access to CFB Pro articles, which you, Alex, and I are adding to each and every week, as well as a bunch of other pros. We're putting out content about Brothers War Limited. Maybe there will be some content about the Arena Cube leading up to the Arena Cube Open. Who knows? Um, I am stoked about that Arena Cube Open, speaking of. Yeah. And for anything you need from TCG Player, if you're getting some sealed product or what have you, maybe Christmas gifts for folks, it is that time of year. If you would please use our affiliate link for anything that you plan to purchase on their website to let them know that we sent you over there. There's a couple different ways to get you our affiliate link. You can either go to lordsoflimited.com slash TCG Player, and that will redirect you to their website. Or you can just go to our website, lordsoflimited.com. Click on support and then click on the TCG player link that you find there. A few other things I want to shout out. We got a ton of YouTube content that I think is worth mentioning out there in uh, the open. First is that three of the six uh, perspectives from the team draft are up on YouTube. Myself, Quarter Calls, and LSV. LSV's is on the CFB YouTube channel. Uh, Alex's is on his Limited Level Ups YouTube channel. And mine is on our Lords of Limited YouTube channel, which is uh, basically defunct, but a place to drop those videos. <laughs> You know, when, when we have them. Um, uh, speaking of the CFB YouTube channel, I have an incredibly awesome draft up there. Uh, you're going to get some 
content. I think it's like two and a half hours long as the video. Um, it's really <laughs> that is absurd. Really sweet uh, best of three run with a, a Teferi, you know, self mill loop your library kind of deck. Um, you know, one of my faves. And I also have an arena open sealed day one deck up on the MTG Arena YouTube channel. So if you're qualifying next week for the ABCDEFQ or whatever it is, and you are like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm what do I want to do with Brothers War Sealed? Well, maybe you check out that sealed video and and see what's up. So yeah, a lot of awesome stuff happening in the YouTube verse. Hashtag content, baby. I would love to just chat about the format in general. You know, we're still kind of early days, as weird as that is. We're still kind of early days in Brothers War. So we're doing this team draft debrief deep dive. But I'd love to just chat about my experiences over the past you know week or so with this format real quick, because I'm having a bit of a, a love affair with this set. I am not. I, this format's fine for me. Yeah, I know you hate fun. So it's tough for you. But <laughs> I think this format is just about everything I love about limited magic. I think the strategies are fueled by commons, but there are tons of build around rares. The colorless aspect of everything lets you hashtag delay the decision, which I like. Your graveyard is a resource, right? On Earth, we've talked about since basically week one as being such a huge player in the format. Obviously, that secret is out, I think. I think it checks like just about every box for me. Yeah, I think the thing that is constricting about the format to me is I like optimizing so much that it's difficult for me to go into other strategies without just trying to do nonsense. Like I think you toe the line better of like not doing like aggro or not doing super board affecting things while still being very competitive about it. And mine is pretty binary where either I'm trying <laughs> to do the best strategy in the format or I'm just totally You're like off, off the, the rails. Yes. <laughs> like I don't have the middle ground that you do where I'm not doing the absolute tier one strategy, but still trying very hard to compete. <laughs> I think that is a rub for me. Yeah, I don't know if we'll do quite like a build around and find out kind of episode. I'm trying to figure out, you know, what we're going to be doing in the coming weeks um, in terms of how to best mine Brothers War for content, because I'm not worried that we have enough to talk about and just, you know, want to make sure that we use our time wisely and use the episodes as best we can to help our listeners. I think help our listeners win number one is the goal, and then also show them maybe some hidden gems. Because I think, honestly, a lot of the power, a lot of the niche stuff that I found is from finding interactions with lower rarity stuff, like commons or uncommons. I did finally, you will be happy to hear, Ben, I did finally build a deck with Meticulous Excavation. Oh, I saw this picture, and it is sweet. That is on my to-do list. I mean, for example, like right now, I speaking of the you know optimizing or nonsense, both the decks I have waiting for me in best of one and best of three are Etherflux Reservoir stews. <laughs> we'll see. I think one of them is very good and the other I think is very bad. <laughs> I did have a chance to draft Etherflux Reservoir and it was not a good deck. I did get 250 someone with it though. Um, but largely, like I could have won in any number of ways because I had Urza on the battlefield. So I was winning by copying Reservoir a bunch and then just like casting a spell per turn to gain like six life or whatever. So, you know, Urza could have won me in uh, the game in any variety. But I want to talk about this excavation deck because I want to shout out to Raph Levy here for inspiring me. So I saw a tweet from him that he trophied with this beauty. Meticulous excavation is secretly the best uncommon of the set is what he said. Um, and so I was looking at this deck. So Meticulous excavation for folks who don't know is the white enchantment, single white, and then it has uh, an activated ability for two and a white 
white, return target permanent you control to its owner's hand. Activate only during your turn. So not at sorcery speed, but only during your turn. And then it has this text about like, if it has on earth, then you exile it first and then put it into your hand. And that's just sort of to let you do the thing where you unearth the creature and then you can return it to your hand. It won't go to exile. And, you know, Ben shouted this out as maybe this will be sweet or whatever. You can use power stones for it. Thought largely it wasn't quite going to get there. But honestly, like looking at this deck with Raph, you know, he's got two copies of Lauren, Disciple of History. That's the Gravedigger uh, legendary uncommon that gets back artifacts. He's got Self-Assembler and Full Tron, two Mine Workers, two Tower Workers, and Power Plant Worker. We're going to talk about Tron in a second and in the Team Draft. He's got Combat Thresher. That's the 7-mana 3-3 Double Strike. ETBs draws a card and has Prototype for Tuna White. So I was peeping that, and I was like, okay, this seems kind of real. And then I got just like the nutso-busted version of a Meticulous Excavation deck, and it was real. It wasn't just like a win-more card. It was at times a card that won me the game when like nothing else could have. Yeah, you just have it with ETBs, right? And then you have Mm -hmm. like a a repeated value engine. That's kind of what we've been talking about. Like if you can get to the point in the game where you can stall the board out or you can stop your opponent's aggression, whoever has the best engine wins and Excavation's a pretty good engine. I put Arms Race in a deck. That's the bad sneak attack. (laughs) (laughs) And it was good. I had it with uh, Portal to Phyrexia, the nine mana mythic that like when it comes into play, they sack three creatures. And then in your upkeep, you get to return a creature from a graveyard to the battlefield under your control. And so if you do that, you can time it with arms race. You do it in their end step. They sack three things and then you get the upkeep trigger before you have to sack it on your end step. So you don't get, it's not just a like, you know, brief edict, but like that can be your deck's game plan. If you have a way to like tutor it up pretty sweet, you can like build a sort of like red black. You know, if you think of like red black, sneak and reanimate like reanimate sneak from cube you can kind of do the same thing where like disciples of gix puts it in your graveyard then you can recur it then you can cheat it out you can also get i had lauren in that deck the uncommon gravedigger to get it back like so it wasn't just wasn't full meme i would say i think it was between meme and dream that deck sounded like it needed a copy of meticulous excavation just to put that back in your hand and then pop it back out again you know yes please yes (laughs) please i mean speaking of i really do i saw a a tweet of this a couple weeks ago it was a deck that was like red white reanimator it had three of repair and recharge that's the white uncommon that uh reanimates an artifact enchantment or planeswalker and makes a power stone and then had a bunch of like mutts and bitter reunions to churn through your deck and put stuff in your yard. And I was like, oh, I want to really want to try and get that. It's hard to get those pieces because the repair and recharge is an uncommon. And then you need expensive artifacts worth reanimating, like that basically need to be rares or mythics. There's not quite enough like combat threshers there sort of, but not quite enough from the uh, the uncommons to get you there. And I have also, I put liquid metal coating in a deck the other day. That card is not good. We cannot advise putting that card I in your deck. I blew up someone's land on turn three on the play with liquid metal coating on turn two, and then uh, whatever, what's it called? Race to the ground on turn three. I mean... Stone rain draw card? Can I not interest you? I mean, it's exciting, but <laughs> if you're talking about giving people actionable advice <laughs> to win in the format, it's not put liquid metal coating plus race to the ground in your day. <laughs> I, I tweeted that screenshot because that deck trophied, but largely because it had like two third path iconoclasts and rare Urza as well. There it is. There yeah. it is. And someone, and I was like, oh, I stone rained someone on turn three. And then someone responded. They were like, does liquid metal coating do literally anything else in this deck? And I was like, it can protect Urza. Because like <laughs> they go and, if they go and target Urza, then you can make Urza an artifact. Then it can copy itself. 
and then you choose to just keep the copy and kill the one that they targeted. That's pretty spicy. Pretty spicy, see? So maybe some uses, but yeah, it's uh, it's not great. And maybe a little tease here. How, how between Meme and Dream, wh- where are you putting Fultron? Where are you putting Mine Worker, Assembly Worker, and Power Plant Worker? Like on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being Meme, 10 being Dream? Yeah. It's like a 2. Like almost a full <laughs> meme. It's not good. What if self-assembler is there? Uh, still like 2.5. It's not good. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. This is this is why this is why we can't have nice things, Ben. <laughs> trying I'm to sorry. get you trying to get you excited about something, trying to tee you up to talk about Tron and the team draft and and he's just just a, just a real downer. Uh, yeah. All right. So th- those are just a little some of the highlights of my week, and uh, you know we'll figure out how to bring you the the be- as Ben said the best actionable advice in the coming weeks about the format with you know some slight uh, childlike wonder from me. I have veto powers. Don't worry, listeners. <laughs> does he is the executive branch of the podcast um before we take a a quick little break here do you want to describe the rules of team draft real quick for our listeners who maybe are are tuning into one of these for the first time yeah for sure team drafts are pods of six people instead of the normal eight so you sit down six people three on each team and you alternate players from each team so like team a and team b you would be seated a b a b a b around the table and you open your first pack you pass same as normal draft. But then at the end of the draft, each team gets together and like talks about their decks, what they passed, and you're trying to figure out cards that the other team might have, what types of decks they might have. So you can almost sort of pre sideboard ahead of your matches with the other team. Like if you've got a plummet and you expect them to have had all the flyers in the draft, like that sort of stuff you're trying to figure out. And then you play best of three matches, same as normal first two five match wins wins the team draft so you play best of nine matches um, and everybody plays everybody from every other team first team to five match wins wins the draft sweet all right let's take a quick break and we'll be back with marshall's draft this holiday season the best deal in wireless can only be found at mint mobile Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months for free. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home with eSIM while saving tons on phone plans starting at just $15 a month. They make it super easy to change plans. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily with eSIM. And if you need a new device, Mint Mobile has you covered too. For a limited time, get six months of free service when you buy a select device and plan. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. What more could you want? For a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com slash LOL. That's mintmobile.com slash LOL. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash LOL. And now, back to the show. All right, so the order of folks at the table is Marshall passing to Ben, passing to BK, to Alex passing, to LSV passing to me. All right, so we're going to take a look at Marshall's draft first. So imagine yourself as the host of Limited Resources, and you are taking a seat uh, for the Team Resources team draft. Pack one, pick one. You see the following cards as options. There's Overwhelming Remorse, four and a black for an instant, costs one less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard, exile, target creature, or planeswalker. No other real commons in consideration. Moving on to the uncommons there's no real uncommons in consideration (laughs) (laughs) we we have a classic brothers war pack here with a caveman pick um and then there's two rares which are not in consideration there's stasis coffin which is nonsense and chromatic lantern which could do some things uh three mana artifact 
gives lands you control tap add one man of any color and then it itself can tap to add one man of any color yeah i think this is a a pretty classic brothers war caveman pick and overwhelming remorse there's even kind of a a picture of a cave in that art (laughs) so i think that's pretty pretty fitting here for our first pick here but i I did want to ask you if you had any you know we don't do a sort of like team meeting anymore, usually, you know, you, me and Alex don't sit down and, and sort of hash out like what what we want to do if were there any changes between regular draft and team draft. And you know, I went back and watched the other teams draft. And this was one of the questions that LSV got, like, are any considerations for team draft? And he was like, the days of hook and cutting are sort of over because you can't really do that with how good the commons are in most formats these days. Did you have any thoughts yourself going into this of slight tweaks you were making in your head for team draft versus regular draft? Yeah, I thought colorless cards were going to be pretty important. I mean, I'm assuming we all did. Like the colorless cards let you be very flexible. So I think Mm -hmm. those are at an absolute premium in team draft, the good colorless cards, that is, right? Like not power plant worker. I'm looking at that and Marshall's pack one, pick one here. Also. Right. The five mana four, four that you can pay three to give plus two, plus two. Well, and sort of pseudo colorless cards in the sense of the good unearthed creatures as well, like scrap work cohort, scrap work mutt, even rager, stuff like that. Right. Like those, I think, all go up a notch from regular draft. And then I also yes. think random two for ones go up a ton in team draft. So I was like really worried about moment of defiances running mm. around because that's just such a blowout in team draft if somebody sticks that combat trick and gets to draw a card so things like that go up a little bit for me and then just being aware of creatures like i think making a conscious effort to value low drops because if you get them that means the other team doesn't get them right. and the format really rewards you playing to the board yep i agree completely i had a lot of those similar thoughts as well okay so overwhelming remorse in marshall's pile here moving on to pack one pick two what does he see pack one pick two another fairly boring pack um in the commons there is excavation explosion two in a red deal three to any target make a tap power stone I think that's the only common in consideration. The, the other black commons to pair with overwhelming remorse are carrion locust, two and a black for a two one flyer. And when it ETBs, you can exile target card from an opponent's graveyard. If it was a creature card that player loses a life. And there's also a ravenous gigamole, the uh, self mill two three that if you hit a creature when you mill, you can put it in your hand. If you don't, you put a plus one plus one counter on ravenous gigamole. And then in the uncommons, there's a couple cards in consideration. There's a soul guide lantern, one for the artifact when ETBs exile target card from a graveyard, tap sack it to exile each opponent's graveyard, or you can pay one and sacrifice it to draw a card. And then there's also a bushwhack green for the sorcery, search your library for basic land, or have target creature you control fight target creature you don't control. Yeah, I think basically boils down to the two removal spells for me and bushwhack and explosion. And I think yeah, explosion is just a better card. Um, I, you know, rectangles rule the world in this format for me, you know, this kills a thing and makes a power stone. That's pretty dang good. Um, and is in a better color. I think red is better than green. Right. And sets Marshall up to potentially draft red black, which is the best deck in the format. Although you got to assume in a team draft like this, that that right. is going to be difficult to get a good red black deck. I agree. So yeah, I agree. Marshall takes excavation explosion. I would have as well. And I think mostly just trying to give the context of the pack there with those other cards. So we've got an overwhelming remorse and an excavation explosion heading into pack one, pick three. You see the following cards as options. There is a moment of defiance two in a black for an instant target creature gets plus two plus one and gets lifelink until end of turn. You draw a card. There's Mightstone's animation, as I think the best common in the pack. Three blue enchant artifact. When ETBs, you draw a card. Enchanted artifacts a creature with base power and toughness 4-4 in addition to its other types. And then moving on to the uncommons, 
There is an obstinate Bayloth here. Two black black for a 4-4. When it ETBs, you gain four life. If a spell or ability an opponent controls causes you to discard obstinate Bayloth, put it onto the battlefield instead of putting it into your graveyard. That's interesting. You called out Mightstone's animation as the best common in the pack. No love for Argothian Sprite these days? Uh, no, I like Argothian Sprite. Yeah, okay, I lied. Mightstone's animation is not the best common in the pack. I like Sprite more than I do Mightstone's animation. <laughs> I don't think it's quite cut and dry. So Sprite is the two mana two two can't be blocked by artifact creatures, and you can pay seven to dump two plus one plus one counters on it. Um, I don't think it's quite clear cut because you know Sprite is a two drop, which is premium and ha- has pseudo evasion, is a late game mana sink. Those are all things to. Uh, like about it. But Mightstone's animation is a two for one, quite powerful, and gives you power at common, gives you a game plan at common, and is one of the ways to utilize blue in its best form at common. So I don't know if it's as clear cut as that. I wasn't setting you up for failure as much as you might think. No, here's here's what happened. I do like Sprite better than Mightstone's animation, like regardless of other people's opinions or your opinion. Sprite is ahead of animation in my pick order. I really like green in this format, but the Bayloth was in the pack, so I'm never Ah. taking Sprite over Bayloth. So I had yes. just discounted it visually, which is why I ended up on Mightstone's animation as the best common. And I, I think, again, we've got now sort of basically three for three picks that feel cavemanish to me of taking remorse into excavation explosion into obstinate Bayloth of like, just take the best card out of each pack here. Yep. Marshall agrees and takes the Bayloth. Moving on to pack one, pick four, see the following cards as options in the commons. Now... There's a Mightstones animation that is officially the best common yes, in the pack. officially. And then moving on to the uncommons, there are two that are kind of interesting. There's Audacity uh, for a green. You can enchant creature, give it plus two, plus zero, oh, and trample. And when Audacity is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you draw a card. There's also Corrupt. Five and a black sorcery deals damage to any target equal to the number of swamps you control. You gain life equal to the damage dealt this way. So Corrupt is a card that... Again, I feel like needs to be slotted on the meme to dream scale in, in regular draft, honestly, because I have not I have drafted mono black once. And unfortunately, I don't think I got any corrupts um, mono color decks, I think, are few and far between, but they are they do exist. I've drafted a mono black, a mono white and a mono red deck, the mono white and uh, red decks, I think, you know, splashed a little bit for some unearth costs or whatever. But, you know, we're, we're mostly monocolored at heart but those are rare you know i've done i I don't know how many drafts i've done so far and only been monocolored in three of them and i think in team draft it's going to become increasingly difficult to take advantage of corrupt in that sense to take advantage of it in a monocolored sense and i bring it up because this is the first of many corrupts that are opened in this team draft what what are your thoughts when you were seeing this card i was like i didn't really give any weight to it and i think you and i had maybe similar feelings about it, but we're in the minority, it seemed, in terms of team resources and Alex taking them a little higher. Yeah, I don't like this card in regular draft much. Like, I would give it a five on the meme to dream scale. Like, you could maybe do the thing, but it's pretty unlikely, I think. And this really needs to be doing, like, four to five damage before you're happy with it, I think. And in team draft, I was just thinking, like, there is no way anybody is getting near a mono black deck for this to actually be a premium card. Like, maybe you're including it and hoping it does three damage, but I don't think you're happy about it, per se. Yeah, and and I think, you know, I'd be scared of, like, how many concessions you might have to make 
in future picks? Like how restrictive is this card? Even if we think it's a little higher on the meme to dream scale to make that dream a reality, you need to make some concessions in the draft for sure in a regular draft. And in a team draft, I would not want to put that kind of restraint on my picks in the future of the packs. Yeah, for sure. I think if I were Marshall here, pack one, pick four, I think I would have landed on Mightstone's animation as just like yes. continuing to take the best card out of every pack or what I think is the best card out of every pack and just feeling out where the draft is going to go because you don't have a clear direction yet to like pair up a card of any color really like yes corrupt goes with overwhelming remorse but like if you end up black red are you really happy with three removal spells at the start with one of them being super clunky like i think one of the problems black red can have is too many removal spells yes and not enough you know action or playing to the board and then you kind of get in this weird spot so I think I would just take Mightstone's animation here, but possible that team resources values corrupt much higher than we do, which would explain Marshall's pick here. And I think probably also thinks like we do that blue is the weakest color of the five now. I think that has settled to be the case for everybody. Yes, I would completely agree that blue is the weakest of the five, but we just passed a Mightstone's animation. Yes. Who knows? Could table and then like also in a team draft, like would be nervous about passing back to back Mightstone's animation. I think that's another reason to take the second Mightstone's animation here, like Marshall's passing to me. If I take that first Mightstone's animation and that second Mightstone's animation, like somebody's got to draft blue. And if you're the only blue drafter, like there is some value in doing that for your team, like getting all the the blue cards on the wheel, playing blue, and then like cherry picking some of the good cards from the other team. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. All right. So Marshall ended up on corrupt pack one, pick four, moving on to pack one, pick five to see the following cards as options. So there's stern lesson in the pack, tune blue instant, draw two cards and discard a card, create a tap power stone token. There's sibling rivalry, three and a red sorcery, gain control of target artifact or creature until end of turn, untap it, it gains haste and you make a tapped power stone token. There's evolving wilds and like a smattering of other reasonable cards. There's like a ravenous gigamole, there's a monastery swift spear, there's a clay revenant, maybe for somebody mm-hmm. to be doing some sort of engine thing with. There's recommission. That card has gone way up for me lately in white decks. I've liked recommission quite a bit. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of reasonable options here. I think especially with Marshall start with two strong removal spells in Explosion and Remorse, and perhaps this inkling of wanting to go heavy black with Corrupt if he does lean a heavy black life and then wants to splash some things or have, you know, his second color be a light second color. I think Evolving Wilds is going to do a lot of work there. So that's what I would land on here. Yeah, I also would take Evolving Wilds in the spot. You figure you're going to want to splash cards in team draft. I think even right. more so in regular draft and Evolving Wilds is already premium in regular draft. Not to mention like if Marshall is black red, gets Goblin Blast Runners, there's some great synergy there. Mm. So I like Evolving Wilds. Marshall landed on Sibling Rivalry. I think hoping to, you know, maybe cut black red or lock into black red. And I think probably a nod to liking the steal and sacrifice version of that deck. Well, and even if we disagree with the pick of sibling rivalry here, he's going to be happy with what he gets in pick six. Yeah, pick six, he picks up a kill zone acrobat. So has got to be feeling great about taking that sibling rivalry there and then getting a kill zone acrobat here. I will say if I'm Marshall, I am pretty nervous about passing animation, animation, stern lesson. Like, yep, all in a row. Like, that would very much be on my radar. And if I'm Marshall, I would be assuming that me, Ben, who he's passing to, is potentially like moving into blue underneath me. Yeah. And so then what would you be 
doing in that sense. So you would expect, I guess, as as pack two rolls around to be cut from blue. And then in pack three, are you looking to just be like, I can't pass anything else good that's blue? Yeah, I think I would be worried about passing future Mightstones animations, etc. Yeah, maybe even the like cantripping, uncommon artifacts, whatever those those kind of elsewhere flask, that kind of thing. Right, right, right. So Marshall's pack one ends out pretty boring. Like pack one was very underpowered, I think, past the first few picks for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so pack one pick seven grabs a Blanchwood Prowler, one and a green one one um, just as the best card in the pack. There's no red or black in this pack at all, really, for Marshall. Pick eight grabs a Conscripted Infantry, which is fine in a red black deck. That's the two and a red three one that when it dies, you get a one one colorless soldier artifact creature token. Uh, pick nine gets a moment of defiance. I think that's a nice pickup for a team draft. Two black instant target creature gets plus on two plus one and gains lifelink until on a turn. Draw a card. And then pick 10 gets a sibling rivalry, three and a red sorcery, gain control of target artifact or creature until end of turn, untap it, it gains haste, and make a tapped power stone token. That's the second act of treason effect. So Marshall is essentially now like locked into black red at the end of pack one. But like the thing that would be on my radar if I'm Marshall is my black and red cards are all spells. Like you've got overwhelming remorse, you've got excavation explosion, you've got these two sibling rivalries, and you've got corrupt. And you have no real good creatures and no early drops, which is, I think, something to be very concerned about in this format. Right. And if we jump ahead and we'll have a link where you can check out the the draft logs and all the final deck picks with sealeddeck.tech links. If we jump ahead and look at his final build, he does end up in a heavy black light splash red for those two rivalries and excavation explosion. Two corrupts at the top of the curve. You know, he gets a second copy of that. But your concern is right, Ben. I mean, his creature count is only 13, and he only has three two-drops, two Thraxodemons and a Gixian Infiltrator. Those are his only ways to affect the board before turn three. Yeah, I'm impressed looking at this deck with the two corrupts. He kind of did the thing. I mean, they're like fine-ish cards for him, but like with the two overwhelming remorses, the two corrupts are just, that's all kind of in the same area. Like, I think Marshall would trade these two corrupts for two disfigures in a heartbeat, right? Well, or just two scrap drops, yes. you know? Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Not that he had, not that he had the option for that. I'm not sure. I don't even, did we even see any mutts in the draft? Rip, rip those uh, good little looters. But yeah, I think, I, I, that's what I think. He would trade these for some cheap plays because he's got, you know, quite a few threes. And then even his five drop slot is a little high. And also the double overwhelming remorse is nice. But the creature count of 13 is not so nice with those, right? Those are going to be four mana a lot of the time. You know, one of the, the power of the remorses is have it in a high creature count deck, have it in a deck with some self mill or whatever, so that you can get that cost down. Right, for sure. All right, let's take one more break, and then we'll be back with the rest of the drafts. Today's podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Tis the season, even though Ben and I are Grinches, tis the season (laughs) for saving money wherever we can. HelloFresh is just as convenient as takeout, but 25% less expensive, so you can use those savings for holiday gifts or to treat yourself. 
And HelloFresh has more than just meals with HelloFresh Market. From quick breakfast to charcuterie boards and desserts, it's never been easier to prep for a party or fill your pantry. I was just, before we recorded the show this morning, just planning out what my wife and I were going to eat this week. And I keep coming back to this delicious HelloFresh recipe I made with chicken in this like sumac and apricot glaze with some roasted veggies and quinoa. Actually, it was bulgur, but I can't find bulgur at the grocery store, so been doing quinoa. Checks all the boxes I want. It's healthy, delicious, quick, and easy to prepare for a weeknight. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LOL18 and use code LOL18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash LOL18 for you to see why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. And now, back to the show. All right, Ben, I'm going to take you through your draft here. I'm excited. I haven't yet really looked at this draft because I just, I trust you wholeheartedly and I'm excited to see what you ended up doing here. So pack one, pick one. Again, you said these packs were kind of weak in the first go round and they definitely, uh, definitely seem that way as we're looking through. So pack one, pick one. Best common in the pack is disfigure, single black instant target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. If you look at the uncommons, there's a hero of the dunes, three white black for the three, two. When it enters the battlefield, you can return target artifact or creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, and creatures you control with mana value three or less get plus one, plus oh. There's a corrupt in the pack, and your uh, your rares are underground, river, and door to nothingness. So I think it comes down to hero versus disfigure here. Yeah, my opening pack, I looked at the rares and I was like, uh-oh, fasten your seatbelts, folks. We're going to get stomped by Team LR opening busted rares and us opening nothing again. But uh, between disfigure and hero, I landed on disfigure as I think a cheaper and more flexible card. Uh, hero of the Dunes is certainly more powerful, I think, but a lot more constricting as well. So wanted to leave myself the maximum options and took disfigure and was putting BK on likely taking Hero of the Dunes who I was passing to. Right. And which is not a bad spot for you to be in, given that disfigure is black. Maybe you get him into white black a little bit or wanting to splash that, but you're getting into black under him. So not the worst spot to be in for sure. Pack one, pick two. This is Marshall's first pack where he got to take overwhelming remorse over basically nothing. And you now see that nothing. You get a Blanchwood Prowler at common, one on a green, one, one. When it enters the battlefield, you mill three. You can put a land from among them into your hand. If you don't, you put a plus and plus one counter on it. There's a moment of defiance to follow up your disfigure. In the uncommons, there's a transmogrant altar to maybe follow up disfigure with three mana artifact, pay black, tap, sack a creature, add triple colorless, or pay two, tap, sack a creature, create a three, three colorless zombie artifact creature token at sorcery speed. Yeah, I, for me, this was between altar and chromatic lantern, the rare. Ah, and I took okay. the altar thinking that like, maybe I'll get into black, red sacrifice, not really thinking that, but also altar, I think is just a pretty flexible card. If you get a revenant, that's a way to like build an engine in a team draft that could be super helpful. So fairly blank pack here and took a flyer on the altar without putting much weight on it at all. Chromatic Lantern like appeals to me, but I'm so nervous about the three mana non-board impacting cards than I am about the one or the two mana, like the cantripping ones or whatever, like Soul Guide Lantern, Chromatic Star, Elsewhere Flask, Energy Refractor. Once you get to turn three, it feels hard and, and especially a card like Chromatic Lantern that you can in theory be like, oh, I'm you know building around it or whatever. It's going to open up my mana. But then do you build a deck that fails if you don't see the Lantern? It's a, it's a card that like, it, it just makes me nervous <laughs> looking at it, you know? 
chat was egging me on to take chromatic lantern and wheel door to nothingness i wasn't having it wow wow <laughs> that's if that's a real ethan move right there all right pack one pick three this was the pack where marshall took excavation explosion there is that bushwhack remaining in the pack as well as a soul guide lantern as a cheap cantripping artifact with some graveyard hate and i would say no real commons in consideration over those yeah i took the bushwhack here as i think a clear best card in the pack. And again, the, the packs are dead enough that I, I don't really care what BK is taking out of either of these last two packs. Like, I, I know BK likely has Hero of the Dunes, and then I have no idea out of the last two packs what he has done. Right. Because I, I have taken the last remaining reasonable card out of the packs. Right. And he's likely taking Soul Guide Lantern out of this pack, but that doesn't really matter to you, right? Right, yes. Or give you any information about what he might be getting into. That's just, you know, that's going in any deck. For sure. Pack one, pick four. Here we have uh, the two commons in consideration of Mightstone's animation and the Argothian sprite where Marshall took Obstinate Bayloth. Yeah, I think for me, having just taken the Bushwhack, I talked about how much I like Argothian Sprite. I do have Sprite ahead of animation in my pick order, and I back that up here. I take the Sprite <laughs> over the animation and also am clocking a Warlord's Elite that is in this pack, uh, tune away Ooh. for the 4-4. Four, four. As an additional cost to cast it, you tap two untapped artifact creatures or lands um, because I do think that BK has that Hero of the Dunes. So I'm just noting good white or black that I'm passing. And I think Warlord's Elite is the first like quote unquote potentially good white card that BK could be taking to follow up um, his Hero of the Dunes. Yeah, that's that's really smart. And you're clocking the animation being passed there as well. As we see pack one pick five, this is the pack where we saw the animation along with three other, you know, I would say medium blue commons. But it's, it's worth noting that there's still pack one pick five, four blue commons in the pack with Scatter Ray, the counterspell, Philogy Archaeologist, that's the self-mill creature, and Third Path Savant, the three mana, two, three, that can draw two cards for seven mana, plus the Might Zones animation, which you, I think, correctly grab here, which is interesting, taking it over the Audacity, which is, I think, just fine, and especially bumps up with you having Bushwhack and Argothian Sprite in your pile. Yeah, I just was really nervous about passing two Mightstones animations in a row. I thought there was a chance that BK would have taken the Mightstones animation pack one, pick four. Um, and I was a little less worried about Warlords Elite because I hadn't passed any cheap white cards. So I knew like, yes, there's a chance BK took Warlords Elite into Warlords Elite here. But as long as I don't pass a lot of good cheap white cards, we should be okay in that respect as well. So I was a little more worried about the animation than the elite here. And I also thought the animation was a card that I potentially was going to like move into and play. Whereas the elite, I just would have been maybe cutting from BK, like very unlikely for me to move into a warlords elite deck given the start I've had, but very possible for me to start drafting blue if I think blue is open. I'm really happy that these were your decisions to make and not mine, because I think I would have taken, I think I would have not clocked the animation from the last pack into the animation this pack, and I think I would have taken Audacity as my a green follow-up to Bushwhack and Sprite and start to get into that life, but I'm really happy that you took animation and that you were clocking the Warlords Elites as well. It's all part of the job, baby. I know. Moving on to pack one, pick six. This is the pack where you have that Evolving Wilds, I guess also a recommission to note here. I mean, you are shipping. There's a world where BK has Hero of the Dunes, Soul Guide Lantern, two Warlords Elite, and now you're shipping him a recommission. It's not crazy. It's not crazy, but again, we've seen no one or two drop white cards, which is where... Right. Like the bread and butter really is with the Warlords Elite. For that to be good, you need to go one drop, two drop, Warlords Elite. Lantern helps out that in some respect. 
I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't clocking that as a wonder. I was thinking creatures. But yes, for sure. Lantern helps that a lot. Um, I took the Evolving Wild here as we thought Marshall, you know, potentially could have taken for similar reasons. I don't know what I'm doing. I love Evolving Wilds in this format. I figure there's a high chance I will splash something at the end of the draft. And again, I am clocking Stern Lesson, so I'm now aware I've passed animation and stern lesson bk's direction as well anything of note on the wheel here for you i would say uh pick eight and pick nine are for sure in terms of what happens in the future of your draft yeah so pick seven get a hoarding recluse out of a very weak pack picks eight and nine i pick up power plant workers um i had been noticing that there were some tron pieces floating around and thought that might be something that i could do i've also been fairly impressed by just power plant worker as a card on the battlefield um, from my opponents at times yeah certainly in blue green decks which i thought okay maybe i'm going to be blue green i hadn't seen any black uh, since that disfigure and so i do think as far as homes for power plant worker blue green i think is its best home so got that and then pick 11 uh, picked up a third pass savant pick 12 got a sideboard shoot down that's the exile artifact enchantment or flying and then nothing particularly noteworthy. And then at the start of pack two, I had, I think, one of the more interesting spots in the whole team draft. So pack two, pick one, I open the Might Stone and the Weak Stone, which is great. Five mana rare. Um, you can tap to add two colorless mana to your mana pool that can, can't be spent to cast non-artifact spells. And then you have the choice of drawing two or giving something minus five, minus five. Great rare to open. And then I'm passing a Yoshin Dissident, which is just worth noting, I think is a good card that I'm shipping. I'm fairly confident that Marshall is red and not green, like based on the late green that I saw in pack one mm-hmm. and seeing no red. I also saw no black after my disfigure. So my, my gut tells me that Marshall is red black, but I don't know that for sure. And then you never really know for sure in team draft. That's the problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> You're just kind of like hoping, making educated guesses. Uh, pack two, pick two. I have an interesting choice. There is Nothing really for me here. Um, there's a Death Bloom Ritualist that I potentially could play. It's three black green for a three five. You can tap to add X man of any one color where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Like I have the option to move into green black and put that card in my deck. As far as commons go, there's an excavation explosion, two and a red for a sorcery, deals three damage any target, make a tapped power stone token. And then uncommon wise, I'm thrilled to see that there is a recruitment officer still here which is the white two, one, three, and a white. Look at the top four of your library. You can reveal a card, mana value three or less from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. That tells me that BK is likely not doing the white thing with uh, the four fours, the, mm. uh, the Warlords Elite. So I was very happy to note that there. And I think I decided to take Excavation Explosion here because I was pretty sure that Marshall was red and I didn't want to pass Marshall the Excavation Explosion. And I thought there was a chance that I could move into red underneath Marshall because I essentially am not committed to any colors yet. Like I just had no good cards in pack one. So I <laughs> I am I am up for doing business with any color that provides me with good cards at this point. And excavation explosion is one of the better cards I've seen all draft. Well and it gives you a, a great opening to get into red here as you take Pendragon Strong Bull pick three and then I don't know how this made it to you pack two pick four visions of phyrexia this is a two red red enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep you exile the top card of your library you can play that card this turn and at the beginning of your end step if you didn't play a card from exile this turn you get a tapped power stone token super powerful but also an incredible engine with strong bull yes very thrilled to see that with strong bull um and very happy that i moved into red here really rewarded me and um as we saw marshall was red black so i did great work for our team 
moving yeah. into red here to pat myself on the back. Um, and then pack two, pick four, there's a second Yoshin dissident here. And like, again, I'm pretty confident that Marshall is not green. So I think Marshall can't use these. And I'm hoping that they make their way to you and that you can either use them or that if you can't use them, you don't pass two Yoshin dissidents to whoever is sitting next to you. And then pack two, pick five, there's a third Yoshin dissident. At this point, I am just panicking. I'm like, please, <laughs> please don't let Marshall be in green white somehow, like magically. So I took a Saren Steel Seeker here over the Ocean Dissident because I could potentially use the Steel Seeker. Um, also, great engine with Visions of New Phyrexia if I end up in mm. red green, which uh, I did. And then was just hoping that the dissident thing worked out for our team. All right, so you end up in red-green. What does your final deck look like? My final deck looks fine. I'm very happy with where I ended up. I have some premium red cards. I wield an Arbalest Engineers in pack three, which was excellent for our team. Um, I have a Steel Seraph that I open in pack three. That's what I took over the Engineers and then wield the Engineers. I also have the Tron pieces, double mine worker, one tower worker, two power plant workers. Like my deck has some very good cards and then some cards that play well in the format. Like my deck plays to the board. I get on board early. Like I've got a very good curve. I've got some rares. I feel like my deck is totally serviceable with some good rares. Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely from the start of the draft and seeing this deck, it feels like you really made out scot-free a little bit, right? Like the start of the draft was very much not exciting for you. And I like the look of your deck by the end of it. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's take a look at BK's draft. You know, BK, he ranges, right? From he comes in and this is the first draft he's ever done in the format to he drafted bro quite a bit, right? Isn't he mythic? Yeah, I think so. Alex paired up against him in the wild uh, right after the season reset in platinum. So that would have mean BK was uh, was mythic in November. So he's been he's been drafting up a storm and uh, and he's got some spice for us as he often does. You know, we saw Ox plow in the call time showdown. We've seen a lot of interesting things from him. We saw like, what did we see? Like mono zombies somewhere with that zombie copy enchantment from uh from i guess it was uh, crimson vow he's done a lot of sweet stuff in the past so i'm excited to see what he has in store for us so your bk pack one pick one you sit down you see the following cards as options in the commons i think the best common is evolving wilds moving on to the uncommons there's a falaji vanguard the two red white two three first strike whenever it or another creature enters the battlefield under your control target creature gets plus two plus oh until end of turn and then the rare there's mishra tamer of makfawa Three black red for a 4-4 gives everything you control ward sacrifice a permanent and each artifact in your graveyard has unearth for one black red. Yeah, this is interesting. I, I think like if this were week one, I would take Mishra here, but I've been pretty unimpressed by this. This is often like five mana 4-4 and if they want to kill it, sacrificing a land in the late game isn't that big of a deal. Plus, artifacts are going to be taken highly in this team draft. So I think even this even gets a little worse in team draft because people take the colorless cards and the unearthed cards or whatever pretty highly. So I think I might land on the Vanguard here, even though red-white aggro is a, a deck that is fairly foreign to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I would do here. Take Evolving Wilds? I think I'd like to say that I would take Evolving Wilds, but I think I would end up taking Mishra because I don't have much experience with it and it has been pretty good against me. Okay, yeah, makes sense. I, I think it's... It's sort of up in the air between those three, honestly. Yeah, so BK lands on the Mishra Tamer of Makfawa. Pack one, pick two. He does grab that Hero of the Dunes, as we suspected, out of mm -hmm. the pack that I passed him. And then moving on to pack one, pick three, has the choice between 
Blanchwood Prowler, uh, one and a green, one, one. When ETBs, you mill three, put a land from among the milled cards in your hand. If you don't, you put a plus and plus one counter on it. That or Chromatic Lantern, pretty much. This is that super weak pack. Yeah, I mean, it honestly goes on the run, I think, here, two, three, four of the card, this, this, the runner-up cards for us, right? We thought he would take Hero. He did. He takes Chromatic Lantern here, pick three. And then pick four, he takes Soul Guide Lantern out of that nothing pack, right, where you took Bushwhack. Yeah. And then moving on to pack one, pick five, when we had that choice between Warlord's Elite, the white 4-4, and Mightstone's animation, he does, in fact, grab that Mightstone's animation. Yeah. Okay. So he takes that over the Warlord's Elite, even though he does have the Hero of the Dunes. That's interesting to see. And then even though you took Mightstone's animation pick six, you you got to be glad you did now looking at this because he takes Philagi Archaeologist. That's the blue self mill, two mana, O3. And if you grab a non-creature, non-land from it, you put it into your hand or you put a plus and plus one counter on it. Yeah, I think assuming Mightstone's animation had been there, he almost certainly would have slammed it and would have been thrilled, right? Yes, I think so. So he still gets a blue card, but I made his deck slightly worse. And then pick mm-hmm. seven has a choice between Falaji Archaeologist and Stern Lesson. Yeah, and he takes the second Archaeologist, which I don't know if he was clocking this at the time, but in the pack is No One Left Behind, which is four and a black sorcery, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, costs three less to cast if it targets a creature with mana value three or less. That card plays incredibly well with Archaeologist, and it does wheel for him. He gets it picked what 13 Ooh, wow that is wild yeah and that when i saw him do that i think this is now on my bucket list i'm like i want to draft (laughs) this blue black it's hard again be like similar to the red white reanimator deck i was talking about it's hard because so sure you can count on getting full out archaeologists but you can't count on getting no one left behind and you can't count on getting creatures worth reanimating like i don't think i mean i guess you could just do it with like rest goliaths the the 10 mana 10 tens like that could be fine but what's nice is that like archaeologist not only bins the creatures right because it mills three but also digs you towards your no one left behind it's a really cute little combo yeah so i think the only real decisions bk had in pack one here were whether to pursue blue or whether to pursue white, right? Like that pack one pick five decision between animation and warlords elite kind of sets the course for the rest of his draft, right? When he takes the animation, he gets into blue. I think if you take the elite, you follow it up with elite and then he's fighting for white with our team, which remains to be seen whether or not that is better for them. I think ultimately it would have worked out better had BK gone elite elite because he goes, he gets to go elite elite recommission. Two, which and recommission is very good with two elites. Yes, absolutely. And then I was also terrified in pack three that BK had gone down the Warlords elite path because in pack three, I passed him back to back recruitment officers, which ended up making their way to Alex, which was awesome for our team. And I think would have been disastrous had BK chosen to go down the white route. And again, like hindsight's twenty twenty. There's no we're not not putting BK down for moving into blue at all. I just mm. think that was the only decision point BK had. Well, he's got a little bit of a decision point. Pack two, pick one. I think you can sort of see his, I, I think he, he may be the Ethan of their team. I think he's got the, the spice in him and, and, and you know, really wants to do the sweet things. And he's often very successful in doing so. But I think pack two, pick one, he takes a Mishra's Bauble over Excavation Explosion. I mean, over even, you know, had he gone the white path of, you know, the two warlords elite to follow up the hero of the dunes, he gets to take recruitment officer, which is awesome. 
But he takes a bobble over explosion, which I think is is a slight misstep in a team draft. And then pack two, pick two, gets a second copy of Hero of the Dunes, which he does take, but doesn't end up pushing down that, you know, pure white black hero, low curve, you know, three mana value or less strategy. Right. And also then enables me by making those early picks in pack two enables me to move into red and play these premium red cards. Like he passes me in a row, the explosion, the strong goal, the visions. And he also saw no red. So like, yes, it was actually Marshall on his team. And he was doing a good job of trying to float those cards to Marshall. But he he doesn't know that I'm not red, you know, and had didn't cut red card. And and we saw that he did get a uh, sorry, in pack one to go along with that reanimation package. He got a Suchi cave guard. That's the eight mana eight eight vigilance ward four and then pack three pick one he opens up tyrant of courages four red red four five flyer when etb is it deals four damage any target and you can pay a red to give it plus one plus oh until end of turn and i don't know if you saw the reanimation stuff but i definitely did in my match against him oh i didn't i saw the artifact vomit my deck onto the battlefield version of his deck his deck was yeah. sweet his deck was sweet i mean you just you can't deny it so if we look at his deck he got a pretty awesome Grixis deck. Base blue, a little bit of black for the no one left behind. He gets the double. He has double Mishra, Tamer of Makhfawa, the Tyrant of Courages, the Suchi. One with the multiverse is in his deck. I never saw this. Six blue, blue enchantment. Look at the top card of your library anytime. You can play lands and cast spells from the top of your library. And once during each of your turns, you can cast a spell from your hand or the top of your library without paying its mana cost. He definitely ramped that out against me with Inspiring Statuary, and it was terrifying. Oh, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, the dude is just like a brewer in these showdowns, and it's so awesome to see. Unfortunately, his deck didn't quite get there in the matches against us but i think still hats off to him this is a very sweet brew all right that takes us on to alex all right alex's draft speaking of tyrant of courages that's how his starts he opens the four red red four five flyer so two of these opened at the table thankfully one of them goes into our pile and this is the first like busto busto rare that's opened in the team draft yeah glad it's on our team go alex All the practice paying off. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then pack one, pick two. So we saw, we were, you know, we talked about BK having the choice between Mishra, Evolving Wilds, and Falaji Vanguard, the red white signpost. Well, that's what Alex gets here as a follow up to the dragon. And that's a pretty sweet pick for him. And this is also, this is like Alex's bread and butter. He loves red white aggro. Yes, for sure. So that's a good spot for him to be in. And then pack one, pick three. Talk to me about the choices here. So Alex sees the options of like a mine worker as just a random two drop, the two mana two one that can tap to gain a life. There's a deadly repost, one and a white for the instant, deals three damage to any target tapped creature, and you gain two life. And then there's like a corrupt chillin' in the uncommons, five and a black, deals damage to any target equal to the number of swamps you control, you gain life equal to the damage dealt this way. Again, this is the second corrupt we see. I don't get the love for corrupt, especially with the powerful start that Alex has. I wonder, was he like thinking about this as a hate draft? I'm not sure. Uh, that's where my um, head is at. I, I assume Alex clocked the corrupt pack one, pick one mm. and didn't want to pass two corrupts. And the pack is largely empty. Like mine worker and repost are not exciting cards at all. I, my guess is that Alex is thinking, I don't want to pass two corrupts more than he is. Oh, yeah, I'm going to move in for corrupt and do the thing, you know? OK, because there's a corrupt in the pack where he took Tyrant of Courages and now he sees one two picks later. Steals it away from the other team. Great. And that's good, right? Marshall would have 
gone corrupt corrupt and then gotten the third one in pack three and then maybe he does just go full mono black i don't know yeah i think i like the corrupt pick there from alex pack one pick four again this is a dud of a pack we've managed to not mention this card so far but it's a great one for him to see he sees aeronaut cavalry four and a white three four human soldier with flying when it etbs you put a plus one plus one counter on another target soldier you control that's nice for him having the red white uncommon yeah absolutely there's no other cards that alex would be interested in here and it's a very weak pack so getting a, a good playable card for red white is a boon for him and then pack one pick five Again, with this run of like very few good playables in packs, he grabs a ravenous gigamole. I think, again, my guess is as a hate from the corrupt drafter, maybe more than it is a take for himself. Because he could take conscripted infantry here, the three and a red three one that dies into a one one. He could take military discipline, which you know has a high win rate, is, is good in these uh, low to the ground aggressive decks. Single white aura with flash. Give the creature plus one so and first strike until end of turn. Yeah, I don't have strong feelings about this pick. I think personally, I would have probably taken conscripted infantry just to give myself playables in the color yeah. of my dragon. But I don't fault anyone for taking the Gigamol. Like Gigamol is the kind of card that could randomly be insane in team draft. Like if you meet the conditions and it's a two for one, like it's the kind of card that could potentially go way up in value in team draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it is just purely the best card in the pack and so you can't be wrong to take that here this early and then he gets to go warlords elite pick six into warlords elite pick seven which is awesome for him yes and that's really where like the ripple effects of bk's decision to move into blue instead of into white really i think hurt their team ultimately and really help our team because i gotta float a ton of good white cards to Alex, and also to you in pack two. Yes, for sure. Spoiler, I also get into white. Come on, Ben. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so then he's on just like mono cheap stuff to power out these elites, which is nice that he has two of them this early because he knows he really wants to do that. So pick A, you know, instead of taking recommission, which I kept eyeing as like, oh, what a sick follow-up that would be to the double warlords elite. He actually takes monastery swift spear, the single red one, two haste prowess. Because he knows he wants to be red because of the dragon and the signpost on common, and he knows he needs cheap plays for the double warlords elite. So that's nice there. And then just grabs like mine workers, a random two drop, and he's off to the races and his deck is just a lean, mean aggro fighting machine. Yeah. Excellent curve in the one drops, double recruitment officer, double swift spear, combat courier, and then a military discipline as a combat trick. And the twos, phalanx vanguard, double bitter reunion, double rock hunter, whirling strike, aeronauts wings. So like not premium two drop creatures, but you know, they fit the curve. He's got the double warlords elite airlift chaplain in the threes plus an explosion, triple static net in the four drop slot, which is wildly good and then Falaji vanguard that red white gold uncommon the cavalry the dragon and a blitz automaton the six four haste at the top of the curve yeah really nice here uh let's get into lsv's deck because i think you know largely lsv's draft is i think a little straightforward if not underpowered but the first pick i think as we were even discussing before we started recording the show is quite interesting so he sees a ton of good green cards in his pack all in a row he's got argothian sprite Sarenth Steelseeker and Obstinate Bayloth. So a little one, two, three punch of 
good green cards, a common and uncommon. There's a Might Stones animation as well, just chilling, but I don't think that's in consideration. And then I think the other card worth chatting about here is Evangel of Synthesis. Blue, black for a 2-3. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card, then discard a card. And as long as you've drawn two or more cards this turn, Evangel gets plus one, plus oh, and has Menace. Yeah, I think this is an interesting decision here. There's a lot of possible routes. Personally, I think I would land on Obstinate Bailoth, the 2GG 4-4 when ETBs you gain 4 life. I love that card. I think it basically says if you're playing against an aggressive deck, it's very difficult for them to win the game after you resolve Obstinate Bailoth. And a 4-mana 4-4 is gigantic in this format. And if you're you know beating down at all, it's essentially impossible for your opponent to race also once you stick the Obstinate Bailoth. Yeah, I, I think... I, uh, not only because it was our preview card, but also because I think it's just cheap and super powerful and, and engine-y, I land on the Saren Steelseeker over the Bayloth in terms of the green uncommons here. And I think those are both ahead of Argothian Sprite, even though we like them. And I think LSV has an interesting decision here either way, right? Because if you take a green card here, you're passing two good green cards. And so you can't like cut the other team. And then you potentially get in this awkward spot of, hook cutting your own teammate who then takes a green card though you can't really like plan on all that slash he can take evangel here and there are three good possible wheels for a blue black draw two deck in curate might stones animation and moment of defiance plus a weak stone subjugation as well as the enchantment removal spell any of those four could wheel two if he pushes down this blue black path yeah uh, and lsv does land on the evangel of synthesis i think a, a very tough pick here about what you want to do yeah i think so and then he goes on a little run here of, as he calls them uh <laughs> some Cards that uh, can trip but don't affect the board. He gets an Energy Refractor, pick two. It's a two-mana artifact, ETBs draw a card, pay two to add one mana of any color. Then he gets that Soul Guide Lantern, pick three. Then he gets an Underground River, pick four. That's the the pack you opened with River and Door to Nothingness as the rares. Um, so he gets a blue-black dual land to go along with his two artifacts and his blue-black signpost. Pick five. He takes his Curate versus Moment of Defiance. Do you have a, a thought here about what you like more in the the draw two deck? I don't really. In general, I like Moment of Defiance better as a card. And I have found even in the blue black draw two decks, there's not a ton of room for something like Curate. Like usually you'd rather have the cantripping artifacts. There are just cards that do what Curate does that are better than Curate. So I think I would have taken Moment of Defiance. But again, I I don't have strong feelings about this pick. And honestly, weirdly, because LSV, I think, ends up with so little interaction in his deck, he might have even liked there is a desynchronize here for a blue instant target non-land permanence owner puts it on the top or bottom of their library scry two. i know you're not a big data boy these days ben you know this is the second top performing blue common i could not possibly care less <laughs> than i do about desynchronize uh pack one pick six he grabs a carrion locust the three mana two one flyer in black pick seven he does wheel three of those four blue black cards that we shouted out curate moment of defiance and weak stone subjugation with only might stones animation missing and however all three of those green cards we shouted out are gone the sprite the Saren steel seeker and the obstinate bailoth so he's got to be feeling pretty good in that regard so he grabs weak stone subjugation here um gets himself a little removal spell keeping in line with the blue black plan and gets you know more good ish cards in terms of like the power of the packs plus it being a team draft a scatter ray 
the counterspell, stern lesson that we were spotting after those two Mightstones animations, and wheels back-to-back pick 10 and pick 11, Latnam Adepts. Three and a blue for a 3-3. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, put a plus and plus one counter on Latnam Adept. So despite I think I would have ended up on a totally different path because I wouldn't have taken Evangel first, but after that... It feels really good. The problem is, is that there's just not much good cards opened in pack two and three for him to get past a good blue-black deck. Right, yes. And in pack two, we were very fortunate that there were some good cards that were open that made their way to you. So LSV in pack two, like, I think had the chance to maybe cut some cards too and didn't. Pack two, Mm. pick one takes a disfigure over Visions of New Phyrexia, which somehow made it all the way to me. Yeah, made it through LSV to Alex to BK to you, pick four, which is awesome. Yes. So some some potential ways to stop our team from getting some good cards there as well. Yeah. And if we look at his final build, he was, I you know, watched his draft and some of his matches from his perspective. He was pretty unhappy with his deck. You know, he's got triple Latin M adept. He's got trench stalker. He's got quite a few ways to draw two. He even got a thopter mechanic late in pack three, which is a gift because going into pack three, he really needed some two drops, um, has an Ashnod's harvester as well on the two drop slot. But big problem for him, I think is that he has like no interaction. He has disfigure weak stone subjugation. Gix's caress for the hand machine over matter is a bounce spell, but like, the overwhelming remorses, they're cut by his team. So that's a, a bummer there for sure. All right, that takes us to your draft. So you are Lord Tupperware himself sitting down, <laughs> pack one, pick one. You see the following cards as options. You got a you got a cohort, you got an explosion, you've got a bushwhack. I think those are your three options. I think so, yeah. Scrap work, cohort, excavation, explosion, and bushwhack and i think boiled down to scrap work cohort and explosion with bushwhack in a clear third place for me and i think i have to slightly shout out the data here as nudging me in the right direction and taking cohort but i also what really nudged me was cohort is colorless right what we've been talking about the past few weeks of like don't be fooled. Like, this is not really a white card. Like, yes, it'd be best in a white deck, but I can play this in any deck. And maybe, you know, with my proclivity for drafting refractors and evolving wilds, I can maybe pretty easily pay for the unearth cost here. And so I landed on, I was just trying to think, like, what would I rather not face? <laughs> slash what is most likely to make my deck. And I think Cohort ended up being the card, shockingly, that I would rather not see on the other side. Yeah, Cohort is great. Here's what I want. If I could have a Christmas miracle, I would get rid of magic data. I just no, wonder. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're so wrong. I'm wrong? You're wrong. It's a bad take. Bad take. I disagree. I think it would force people to get better at magic. Like, so about a week into the format, a week and a half-ish into the format, that was when I started to realize, oh, God, Scrapwork Cohort is really good. Still having not looked at the 17 lands data and started to pick it higher, like, How long do you think it takes? Like 17 lands is accelerating the formats being like what they are quicker. I think that is almost certainly true. And I think helping cards like Scrapwork Cohort be discovered quicker than they would otherwise. But like what percentage of the drafting population is not at least already consuming content where they would receive this information anyway and is drafting enough? to like be a portion of the population, right? It's just so small that I don't think that subsection is of people is who we should be focusing on. Mm, all right. 
That's fair. Wow, that's it. He just gave up. I gave up. I give in. I I still can wish for my Christmas miracle, but that's a that's a very reasonable argument. I think I think data is is net positive. I think I think it is a good thing that exists that is mostly used for evil. Like few circuits <laughs> and two duck cubed, and like there's just like a small subset of people who can like use data for good, and then it is like mostly like a weapon used for evil. It just feels like the answers to the test to me. Ah, whatever. I we, this is a whole other podcast. <laughs> All right. So you got the cohort pack one, pick one, pack one, pick two. See the following cards as options. There's that glut of green cards. You got your choice of Sprite, Steel Seeker, and Bayloth. Yeah. And I, I'm curious, you know, you, we know that you would take Bayloth over Steel Seeker in a vacuum. We know that I would take Steel Seeker over Bayloth in a vacuum. With Cohort in your pile already, does that change things at all for you? It does. Love the Steel Seeker here with Cohort already in your pile. So I completely agree with the Steel Seeker here. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's what I landed on as well, right? Cohort's already a four drop for me, double or potentially quadruple triggers with the Steel Seeker um, if I can unearth it. So I, I like taking that there. Yeah. And then pack one, pick three, fairly blank pack. You've got a choice between, I think, Power Stone Engineer which is the one mana two one that when it dies, it makes a tap power stone token. There's a warlord's elite and the audacity. Yeah. And I, I took power stone engineer, you know, earlier in the day I messaged you and Alex and I said, look, I just got to 50 someone with Etherflux reservoir. I got my dirtling out of my system. I'm ready to draft white two drops. And I stuck to my guns here and I took the engineer. And I think again, you know, there are some decks where warlord's elite is going to be better, but given my first two picks, I think engineer is better because it makes a power stone, which triggers the steel seeker. And there's potential for me to pay, play Engineer on turn two, trade it off, get my Power Stone, play Scrap or Cohort on turn three. Yeah, love the Engineer pick here. I agree with that. Pack one, pick four, a largely blank pack for you. Really, you're deciding between Phalanx Vanguard, the one in a white 2-2 Vigi. Whenever an artifact ETB is under your control, it gets plus one, plus oh until end of turn. And there's an Evolving Wilds as well. Yeah, and kept on my promise with white two drops and took the Phalanx Vanguard. And I think this I, was a, a conscious effort on my part to not lean into my dirtling. I think Ethan of, you know, is this our fourth showdown against team resources? I think I would take Evolving Wilds here. Like, oh, it's a team draft. Got to like make my mana base good. Wilds and Refractor are higher picks. I think I also just often get beat by white two drops in these showdowns. (laughs) So I didn't want to be on the receiving end of that this time. Well, and I think you see that too a little bit in how the decks look at the end of all of this. I do think our team had more creatures and more cheap creatures, which are very important in this format. Like we ended up with those cards and they didn't. Now, like I think the way the packs broke lent themselves to us you know, naturally kind of doing that. But I, that is a thing that is in team draft where if you get the things that are important, the other team is not getting those things. Yeah, for sure. And that's like my pack one is pretty unexciting. I take a deadly repost next that I am hoping to not play in my aggressive white deck. I sort of bop around of, okay, moment of defiance pick six. That's probably the best card and can pair well with my aggressive white cards. There's an air marshal that wheels pick seven. Maybe I end up in blue white soldiers. Like I don't have, I don't really have a draw much like your draft. I don't really have a draw to anything, right? I have scrap or cohort and Saren steel seeker. And I have a couple white two drops, but I'm open for business. Yeah. Love it. And that business comes pretty <laughs> quick too. Yes. The business does come. Too. So I open precursor golem, which is great period colorless five mana three three makes two other three threes has that you know copy spells with a golem text in this pack is a sarin steel seeker 
and a Yoshin Dissident. The green-white 1-1 one, one human artificer, whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus and plus one counter on target creature you control. Okay, I mean, I'm taking Precursor Golem every time. There is a world where one of those two cards can wheel for me, right? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Pack two, pick two, I get past Yoshin Tactician, the blue-white signpost 3-4 that gives other soldiers plus and plus one. Now that's pretty sweet. With that air marshal I got late, maybe I want to do that. There's Lauren Disciple of History, the uncommon white grave digger. And then in the rare slot, there's Lauren of the Third Path, two and a white 2-1 with vigilance. When it enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment, and you can tap it to have you and target opponent each draw a card. Yeah, that card is insane. It is essentially Flame Tongue Kabu in the format. Yeah, so slam Lauren of the Third Path, pack two, pick three, Yoshin Dissident. And then you're like, maybe there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, now I'm like, okay. Pick four, I get a recruitment officer, the white one drop two one that can search up mana value three or less things from the top four cards for three and a white. Airlift chaplain, pick five. Okay, Yoshin dissident number two, pick six. And then your fingers are crossed, like let it Drum wheel roll. one time, let it wheel one time. <laughs> Pack two, pick seven, Yoshin dissident number three. Now, this is insane. I'm looking at my deck, I've got like, oops, all two drops. But at this point, I have Scrapboard Cohort, Precursor Golem, and like no other artifacts. Yes, so you are on must-get artifacts mode. Right, so I'm on mono artifacts mode, which comes slightly helpful in pack 2, pick 10. I get a great Desert Prospector, 4 and a white, 3-2. When it enters the battlefield, create a tapped Power Stone token for each other creature you control. I almost cut that card from you because I was so stressed <laughs> having passed the three dissidents. I was like pretty sure Marshall didn't use them, but like who knows in team draft, you know, like it just depends on what people open. Like maybe somebody down the road from Marshall was drafting red black and he was actually secretly green. Who knows? And I was like, no, I'm not taking this card either. Like we're going to get wrecked by those ocean dissidents or it's going to be great for us. <laughs> and it was great for us. And then I also opened again, pack three, pick one. I got a Simeon Simulacrum, three man, a 2-1. Oh my god. When it enters the battlefield, put two plus multiple encounters on target creature you control, and it has unearth for 2GG. And I got to just, you know, I, I, I made sure I took artifact whenever I could. Uh, I got a Mishra's research desk, a soul guide lantern. I don't really have any fixing other than one Sentinel stalwart in my final deck to pay the unearth cost on a research desk and a scrapwork rager that I ended up playing, but like just needed as many artifacts as I possibly could get my hands on. And I think I'm going to make this bid as the best team draft deck we've seen in the 11 team drafts we've done. Ooh, I don't know. I, I don't have that good of a memory. I will allow it because this deck was sweet. Yeah. Triple Yoshin Dissident, Lauren, Precursor Golem, uh, Simeon Simulacrum. I mean, just like 3060 the draft. I, it, yeah, this deck was... A butte. I mean, this is the kind of deck I think you would enjoy in a regular draft, to be honest. <laughs> yes, for sure. And just some elements of randomness in the team draft as well, right? Oh, like yeah. if these if these are evangels, then all of a sudden LSV's deck is insane and smashes us instead of the other way around. You know, the packs definitely broke our way this time. Yeah, that's so, so true. So uh, there you have it. That's a trip around the table here for the team draft. We'll have again all of those draft logs and deck 
picks for you where you download the episode if you want to you know see the the drafts in more detail i have faith that we're going to rattle off the next three in a row to tie it up that'd be pretty sweet i think if we, if we could go on a little <laughs> run i would like that for sure all right great place to wrap us up thank you as always to salty pretzels for our intro and outro music make sure you give it a listen thank you so much to tcg player for sponsoring this podcast if you are heading over to tcg player for any and all purchases or signing up for a tcg player subscription please navigate your way over there via our affiliate link at lordsoflimited.com slash TCG player. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter. And you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And we will catch you next week for our 300th episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Ethan, I'm happy to report that we were the victors <laughs> over Team Resources in our Lords of Limited versus Team Resources Showdown. Did I said that way too many times? <laughs> Flawless beginning. <laughs> Ethan, I am happy to report that we were the victor in our every format. What is that? Is there a word for that? And a by format, a, 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 an <laughs> annual, annual format. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, that's terrible again. God, let me. Let me. <laughs> We got a blooper. We got a blooper. (laughs) Ethan, I am happy to report that we were the victors in the team resources versus low. (laughs) Dang it. We had a good run. We We almost made it to (laughs) almost made it to 300 episodes. (laughs)